With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, welcome back to Who's On Worst, your home for the worst in baseball movies on the D-Rays Bay Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ashley McLennan. With me, as always, is my co-host, Darby Robinson, and our intrepid Brett Rutherford on the, uh, I want to I say on the ones and twos, but that is not at all how this works. <laughs> um, but doing our beautiful production and bringing us his opinions in the background as well. So uh, this, this week, this week, I am officially not asking you guys for your input on what movies we watch anymore. Um, because I did a poll on Twitter, and naturally, you you monsters who follow me um, picked Trouble with the Curve for the movie that we would watch. And um, for those familiar, of course, the reason we started this podcast to begin with is that I wrote a post over at D-Rays Bay about the five worst baseball movies ever made, in my humble opinion. And I'm sure I will change that list once we get through a few more months of this podcast. But this one, I'm pretty sure, is going to stay the same. And uh, when I wrote that original post, I said that this might be the very reason that baseball movies are no longer made, um, is trouble with the curve. So, um, Darby, why don't you tell us a little bit about what this steaming pile of manure uh, is all about? Uh, Okay, so the synopsis of this film, if you have not seen it, this is what Rotten Tomatoes tells you the film is about. For decades, Gus Lobel, played by Clint Eastwood, has been one of baseball's best scouts, but now his age is catching up with him. Still, he refuses to be benched, even though his bosses are questioning his judgment. Tasked with checking out the country's hottest batting prospect, Gus is forced to accept help from his daughter, Mickey, played by Amy Adams. Though they haven't spent much time together in years, father and daughter make new discoveries about their shared past, which could change their future. Yeah, that's a, that is a summary. I like that the summary does not even once mention the Justin Timberlake character. It's Uh, because his his character is completely pointless to everything because uh, of the writing in this movie. Yeah. He shouldn't Uh, be, but he is. No, I, I think uh, this is my second time watching it. Obviously, I watched it the first time around in theaters because I was very excited for a new baseball movie to come out. I'm like, yeah, we're going to go see this. Buddy of mine and I went. I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's go see this movie. And we walked out of that theater. We were real quiet for a long time because I don't think either of us wanted to be the first to say, wow, that was um, that was not good. Um, this movie was very much riding out the, the high of Moneyball. I think it came out about two years after Moneyball. If you put their posters side by side, it's like that green toned Oscar bait. This is a drama kind of, of thematic push. And it, it very much wanted to be that kind of movie, like with baseball as the backdrop of this dramatic father-daughter story. Um, but it it had no idea what movie it wanted to be. And I think my biggest complaint watching it this second time around was that I could really see 
the bones of what a great movie it could have been if it did nothing the same as <laughs> what it actually did. It, yeah, I think that's the thing is the bones are like, I, I'm like, I like the idea of, a, of an old man who's become kind of irrelevant in time and str struggling to keep uh, relevance in a modern world and, and reconnect with his daughter and baseball is a nice framework for that. But yeah, everything else, you could just take this and throw it right in the trash because this is honestly one of the most hackneyed and bland written and directed films like I've ever seen. Like if you watch this on an airplane and you didn't have earbuds and it was just on, you'd be like, ah, it seems fine. It's got a it's it looks polished. The cinematographer knew how to shoot a baseball film. And you got Clint Eastwood and you got Amy Adams, and you got Justin Timberlake, you got John Goodman. There's like stars all over, very talented people. And if you didn't hear anything, know what the story was, hear any dialogue or see characters, you'd be like, ah, that seems fine. But the second you actually try to like, these, these characters are terrible. Everybody is one dimensional. It's, and so I looked it up. I was like, who, who wrote this? I did Who directed too. this? Uh, it turns out just nobody. Yeah. Like, so Randy Brown is who wrote this. His first writing credit ever. Yeah. That, that got produced, at least. He, he might have been one of those, those guys that, like, wrote a bunch of spec scripts that got picked up and made money that way. But this is, this is his very first produced writing credit, screenplay credit. The director, his first directorial film. He was a associate director, second unit director, producer under Clint Eastwood's films. So it's like, okay, I see what happened here. Clint Eastwood got his friends to say, write me a film where there's an old guy that doesn't want to change, but he's right. And they yeah. were like, we can do that. Yeah. Cause it, it, nothing about it works, which is really unfortunate. Cause I think like you were saying, like if, if the story itself was about this father daughter who had drifted apart and she she gets like the negative oh career woman bad kind of focus because there's no room in her life for love and she doesn't get along with her dad it's all like the cliched you know tropes of a woman who's too invested in her work which is funny because he's kind of applauded for the same approach in that his entire life was focused on being a scout and then the only one who's mad at him about that is her um but if i think if the movie had been them kind of reconnecting over scouting and the, the joy that it had brought her when she was young and that period when she was able to be on the road with him when she was younger and her realizing that her passion is not for being a lawyer, but for being involved in baseball because it's something she grew up with. It's something you can tell she really loves. Well, you, they, it tries to tell you that she really loves it. She's more If you're a hackneyed really writer, it, yeah. it tells you how she loves it. Yeah. He's more or less just really condescending about it and then knows a lot of stats about 70s era baseball. I, I made um, a note in this film that nobody talks like this. Nobody talks no. like anybody. Every word, every bit of dialogue in this film is just so stilted and doesn't, like, it's not real. It's so, yeah. I, it's so unbelievable. Like, her character is maybe one of the most egregious examples of, like, a man writing a woman and... I it's like, I beg of you, Randy Brown, talk to one woman, just like speak to any, just go out on the street and just talk to somebody because nobody talks like, this. no human talks like this, this character, I know what you're trying to do, but it's the most 
boring way of doing it, which is like just an encyclopedia of baseball knowledge, but not with like the charm behind it, which, God, it's so frustrating because that character is this simple trope of just like what somebody who was coming into this film as a big baseball fan would want a, a woman. She drinks a lot and she can shoot pool and she can just spout out about 70s baseball knowledge. Yeah, I have a note in here from my watch that was literally like, Mickey is way too much the not like other girls girl, because like, it's exactly what she's put up as. Like, oh, she shows up at the dive bar. Oh, she's drinking a beer. Oh, she can play pool and nobody can beat her. Um, and it, it's just like, everything about her is is not real. It's, it's like an imagined version of what the perfect woman would be if she's completely emotionally unavailable. So, so she's both a, a, a career, career busy businesswoman, mm-hmm. right? That very stereotypical character trait of busy business, solo-minded businesswoman. Then she also is now trying to deal with her father. And because she's a woman and this writer is like, well, okay, a woman will get emotional immediately over everything and act like a child. So she'll like throw it like a fit and then leave. Like there is multiple scenes where she throws a fit and leaves the scene short, which doesn't make sense for her character. Like if she, is she like Clint Eastwood's character, this like closed off emotional person and they both need to learn how to open up to each other. That's a film. Those are character traits. Instead, she's closed off emotionally until she's wildly too emotional. Yeah. Because she's a girl. Is that the thing? I think is where it gets to. It's so... I mean, I think you even see that a little bit in Clint Eastwood's character at the same time too, though, because for one, this movie sets him up to be the most pathetic creature that I've ever seen in my life. Like they couldn't just make him an aging baseball scout who's losing his vision, which is enough. They had to make him live in this dilapidated house. He eats disgusting pizza for breakfast. He refuses to own a computer. He just, he looks like he's living in filth. It's like a hoarder's den because he's all these old newspapers everywhere. It's like unnecessarily depressing that he can like barely feed himself. He makes himself charred burgers that he almost burns burns the house down. Yeah. Like there, there's no reason that they had to lay it on that thick. Like for a guy to be, you know, in his seventies maybe, or like pushing that age to have been one of the best of a generation. Like they spout off some pretty big names that they claim Gus has been the one to find. Uh, I think Dusty Baker was one of them. Like it was like this insane. <laughs> Dusty Baker, Chipper Jones. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just this really bonkers list of names. And and I think like for, for a guy who's so clearly invested his entire life in baseball, just to be able to just losing the ability to do that is enough to make him like a pathetic character. You don't have to lay it on so thick. So that's how like the film sort of starts is basically talking about you're in the boardroom of uh, the GM's office played by the, the T-1000, Robert Patrick. Yeah. And uh, you got, you got your Matthew Lillard, oh, who's boy. your, your smarmy uh, analytics guy. Well, you know, he's computer. bad you know he's bad off the beginning because he's just like well let's not judge that domestic abuser too much off the hop because he's hitting over 300 you know and i'm like oh Mm -hmm. okay so we're definitely not gonna like this guy i got you yeah and he and 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 then you got john goodman who's the the head of scouting and he's the more you know old school you know grind it out and he likes the scouts and and he even he has a line where he's like when was the last time you went out and saw them he's like i don't need to i got my computer 
doop, 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 boop, boop, beep. Yeah. And that's that's the character. That's the depth of the characters right there. Um, which but I want to say all this throughout this, I'm going to be like criticizing so many of these characters. I want to completely say that every actor in this, I blame none of you. You yeah. are giving nothing. Matthew Lillard is a tre- is tremendous. He's also great at this role of being like a smarmy jerk that you want to punch. So yeah. that's a that's a skill. And Matthew Lillard, you're very good at it. John Goodman is one of my favorite actors of all time. He He's is, great at I, this. I watched this movie before. And I, when he showed up, I was like, John Goodman's in this? Because yeah. he's given nothing to do. But like he's he, he you feel compelled to like, you like him. And I think that's- I just want to see more of like, him. He, he's there, he really wants what's best for his friend. And like, that's his entire character is that he wants what's best for Gus. And that's and so, it. So yeah, you, you started off with this, the, the guy that's the analytics guy the, who wants, he's a, only scouts by computer because that's all he needs to know. And then they're talking about Gus Lobel, Clint Eastwood's character is getting old. He hasn't found a guy in like forever. So like he's, he's failing at his job as a scout uh, and he's his contract's up in three months, and they're like, we could, we should just let him go. So that's that's how it's setting up, right? And that's your thinking, like, okay, well, Matthew Lillard, I don't like this character. He's like a bad guy, and he like only wants computers. And then John Goodman is trying to like stick up for his friend, and so it's Clint Eastwood. So it's like, okay, well, this is clearly the character we're supposed to root for. However, he's not. He's failing at his job. He hasn't, he hasn't found a, a guy that's broken out and, or, or a prospect that's been worth it in a while. Yeah. Uh, and then, like you mentioned, when we see his home life, uh, we see a character that is maybe in mental decline, who m- probably needs like a guardianship or somebody to have a live-in nurse. He's crashing his car. He, he can't drive. And it's not just like the vision. It's like, I feel like he, and he almost burns down his house with yeah. the burger and he's not even aware of the smoke. It's like this character absolutely should not be brought back for a contract. He is a disaster. He needs, I have a note, he needs to be put into a home. Like that's yeah. the, that's what this, the film could have been very short as Amy Adams shows up and is like, you know what, dad, you're going to a home. We're selling all of this junk. And that's the end of the movie. Uh, and Robert Patrick wins GM of the year because of uh, their front front office analytics of uh, of the Atlanta Braves. It's he is painted in such a way where I'm like I can't possibly be rooting for him because they're all right. He needs to change because he cannot survive on his own. This is a disaster, and I'm like I am not comfortable watching this old man fail and struggle in this like somebody help him he needs help yeah i think that they kind of glaze over that and there's very clearly like there's and i i messaged you guys this because i think it relates to the mental decline a little bit in, in that there the scene for me where this went off the rails completely to a movie that i could not even begin to take seriously anymore is the scene where he goes to the graveyard to visit his wife's gravestone and his wife died when Mickey was six. So it's been a long time. And he goes and has a heart to heart with her, which is fine. And then he growl sings a spoken word version of You Are My Sunshine in its completeness. Like it just keeps going. And I'm like, oh, 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 oh no. No, this is still happening. Oh, oh no. And like the, that song gets repeated at least three times throughout the course of the movie too. I'm like, it's a weird one that they picked. It's the closing but credits song too. It is, <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, 
what what choice was that like and obviously later mickey explains it like you know it was it was part of her growing up because inexplicably she sits there with a bottle of whiskey and sings it to to justin timberlake's character <laughs> and i'm like is his name jimmy or johnny i genuinely cannot remember it was so unimportant it was the I, flame something the flame yeah the flame flanagan the flanagan yeah, yeah. The flame flanagan well like the, oh, that scene because it's supposed to be a very serious, very sad, yeah. touching scene. And I did not see this film in theaters, but I could just imagine myself sitting in a quiet theater holding laughing. back laughter. Like trying to hold back laughter. Like, because it's a very awkward scene. Like, it's very like, oh, you say, oh, it's a special song. Just have him give like the first line, then like maybe cut to like a wide shot. And then you hear him start to do the second line as like it fades away. And you're like, yeah. okay. We're going to let him do that. We don't want to watch that whole thing. Yeah, because my note was, is this supposed to make me feel things? And it didn't, except that it's awkward. Like, it makes you feel like you're watching something you shouldn't be watching. As a movie, this film doesn't give any of the right emotional beats. Everything that it wants you to feel, the audience to feel, it fails miserably. Mm -hmm. So you're like, oh, there's this romantic subplot with With zero chemistry. And Flint, it is the most, oh my God, this chemistry, this lack of chemistry between two very charismatic actors. Again, mm-hmm. like I don't want to criticize these actors. Amy Adams is amazing. She is a unbelievable talented actor. One of the best working actors in American cinema. And she is a dull weight in this movie. And it's incredible how you can take somebody so charismatic and effervescent like Amy Adams who can take any character and make it really captivating and she's just given such little to do and this relationship between those two characters which again it's because the writers are like well she's a girl so we gotta get she has to be uh, there has to be a romantic interest yeah what else point of her existing is there and it doesn't make any sense I feel like another one of those small like changes that could have worked is you make the flame Flanagan be the son that that Gus never had mm-hmm. and the child that Gus actually raised instead of his daughter, who he sent away oh. and then we'll find out later what happened. And instead it's a brother-sister type of relationship, like not an actual son, but like a surrogate son. So they are not romantically involved, but they are just sort of... Flanagan has this... Uh, has this like emotional attachment to Gus yeah. as this father figure because he scouted him when he was young and he like and like some bitterness and... between the two of them because he gets the love and the attention that she didn't and and yeah it, I could exactly. see that working really well exactly and instead of this forced romantic relationship it's them being like I don't have this relationship with this person that you do you are seeing it you keep saying like you know, give him a chance, get, let him open up. It's like, I tried, I failed. I am his blood and he has rejected anything serious for years. Like that would be a very interesting and emotionally mature type of take is these two characters trying to come together as like figuring out how to deal with this person who is kind of on the twilight of his life and career and how they can all kind of learn and advance and evolve and grow and uh, and put away their emotional baggage or or heal in some way but instead there's this really forced romantic partner pair, pairing that just is a nightmare there is no negative chemistry yeah. there there's a scene where 
Justin Timberlake tries to kiss Amy Adams and she she kind of like rejects him. And then the like the second later, he stands up and takes off all of his clothes to go because they're by a lake and so he, to go skinny dipping. Weird, weird yep. move. That is the weirdest move. Never try this on any human being. That is a you should get pepper sprayed if you tried that. Uh, and then and then he jumps in and is like, you know, lighten up. And then so she she also like skinny dips with him. You have two very attractive people undressing and then jumping in a lake. And it it is the most negative sexual chemistry. It's the most unsexy like scene I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> like I, this is unbelievable levels of like pulling out like all of the emotional beats of this film are just like it's all trash. It can't, none of it works. Like, I don't know how. It's almost impressive. It yeah, is almost it, impressive. it's almost like amazing that they were able to accomplish as little as they did with all of the, the tools that were available to them. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about Bo Gentry. Um, Bo oh, Gentry is the kind, of, the kind of MacGuffin of this movie almost in that he is the the five tool quote unquote prospect that uh, Matthew Lillard is really hyped to get. He's really hoping that the Red Sox will pass with their first round pick in the draft. And of course the flame is the new Red Sox uh, scout who is checking out Bo Gentry as well. Uh, uh, side note on that before we get into Bo, but um, the Jimmy wants to be a scout or is a scout for the Red Sox organization strictly so he can become a broadcaster Yes, which is a that's his, that's his passion. Truly inexplicable, like career path that I can imagine. None of those have any connection. Like there's those have no, no connection. There's nothing to it, and and there's like a scene at the beginning where you you're supposed to figure out that he loves broadcasting because he pulls his car over and watches a group of strange children play a game of pickup baseball and announces the entire thing. And then they all stare at him like, who is this psychopath watching us? Do we need to yell stranger danger? Um, I can't believe I've said stranger danger in the last two podcasts, by the way. Um, but like, and then he drives off and that's it. And I'm like, you don't even know these kids? Like, I was so expecting one of those to be like his like nephew yeah. or something like that to be like, hey, you're playing baseball, blah, blah, blah. And like, oh, don't embarrass me, like yeah. uncle or what. Yeah, go away, Jimmy. The know? fact that none of those kids were like, that was just a, he was just driving from like Boston or wherever to to Tennessee yeah. uh, to scout Bo Gentry. And he just pulls out, he's like, oh, people. And again, I see what they were trying to do is like yeah. this emotional, like this, like baseball. He just loves baseball so much that this pickup game in this field with these kids, he's going to do it. But it's so weird. Cause it's like, yeah, call the cops. That, that kid is, who is this guy? Who is this creepy guy that showed up in a Mustang Watching get him out of there watching him, run him out of town <laughs> this yeah. is not the it's... only time that he will give unsolicited broadcasting calls in the movie too this the second time he got a bit of a different reaction but the, to have him pull that move where he just starts well the first i think he was like reenacting a real life call but he, just a yeah. very weird like outbursts in public in front of people yeah, the second one was at the bar when they were playing the trivia game, which was the dumbest thing I've ever watched. And then they went clogging. Um, but let's get back <laughs> to all of these completely unnecessary scenes that actually happen in this movie. Let's talk about Bo, because I think Bo is an important part of this. 
for one in that he represents a a really big trend in this movie of absolutely every character being an insufferable douche and then he's supposed to be this like five tool wonder player like they actually use the phrase five tool player and when you get to him he's not like a Bryce Harper Giancarlo Stanton looking guy he is playing high school bas- high school baseball with a kid who looks like Specs from Airbud and like just maybe a grade up and he's let's just say he's thick like he's he's, he's not- Luke Voigt he look he's he's literally Luke Voigt that's and that's exactly who he is he's he this is- country farm boy yeah. pudgy As- first base dh he's, and he's ab- yeah we're introduced to him as a raging ass oh like, yeah he's straight up he's like as soon as i get to the the you know as soon as i get up there when he's talking about what high a as soon as he reaches high a he's going to be swimming in the ladies because everybody Chicks. loves everyone loves to come back to your shared accommodation with six other dudes in high a where you share a jar of peanut butter and like a meat tray from like Publix like I'm oh. sorry but there's nothing He's, sexy about the lifestyle all those chicks are gonna come right out it's so my wife had this point about this character that that is so totally true that I, I didn't notice, but she, she noticed, is that his character, right? You're supposed, he's supposed to be this jerk. He's this hot shot jock. He's like bullying the rest of the team. He's just like so arrogant. His dad is charging- uh, $45, $45 yeah. for an autograph. For an autograph, um, what a, you know, all this stuff, right? Like that archetype character makes sense. He is the most Disney version of like that character. Like, it's like, this is a, supposed to be a serious drama but he is like, he's, he's not like on. cursing, he's, but he's just, yeah, yeah. yeah he's like, he's guest on the baseball player. And he's talking yeah. about like <laughs> stuff in the most childlike way. Like, yeah. oh man, I can't wait to be the, kissing those chicks. I'm gonna yeah. kiss them, Steve I'm gonna kiss them so bad. Uh, all those chicks, yeah. I'm just gonna all, kiss them. All and those it's like, women. Yeah, and it's. You, uh, so, uh, Bo, do you know what, do, have, mm, have you taken sex ed? He's like, yeah, <laughs> I have. I'm gonna kiss them yep. all over. I'm gonna make some babies with their faces. I would have, yep. And it's like, oh, Bo, I don't, I think you need, oh I, boy, I, I think. I've got some thoughts on Bo. Uh, <laughs> so ahead, uh, up until the very end of the movie where he swings and misses at a couple of curveballs that are like, it's, it's supposed to be a batting practice session. And all of a sudden they put in a real life pitcher and he's, you know, probably having some trouble with the timing. You know, he missed a couple fastballs, then a couple breaking balls. Every other time we see Bo play baseball in the movie, he's amazing. He hits some runs. He gets on base. He's hit opposite field. We never see him do a bad thing. We don't see him play the field or really run the bases. But most of the things we know about Bo is that he's a great baseball player. And so the only reason that we have to agree with the scouting position of Clint Eastwood's character. And this movie's so bad, I can't even think of his Gus. name off the top. Gus. Gus Lobel, right? The only reason that we're like, yeah, Gus has a point is because Bo is a giant jerk. If Bo was a nice guy, we'd be like, Gus, what are you talking about? He's yeah. been mashing the whole game, the whole movie. Yeah, you'd be rooting for him. But no, 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 no. Gus heard something. He's he, blind, so but he, he heard He heard something. a hitch in his swing. Here's the thing, though, to, to Brett's point about about um, Bo, it's totally true, and it's and it's it's crazy. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up 
the movie Draft Day with Kevin Costner, which is a terrible sports movie, but I actually quite I quite enjoy it. Maybe we'll do it as like a special non I think we'll have to do it as a special edition. Um, but there is a character in that movie, spoiler alert for Draft Day, who is that like generational number one top pick that everybody's like, this is the best guy. And he is also named, known, named Bo, oddly enough, Bo Callahan. And he, he seems perfect, but then there's like a hidden thing on the inside where nobody went to, none of his teammates went to his birthday party or maybe none of his teammates went to his birthday party. And then there's like, mm, there's maybe a character thing there. What works is that he doesn't, that character, that actor and that character doesn't appear to be a monster. He seems fine. But then there's that mystery. It's like, wait, maybe he's maybe he's just like completely lying and he's putting up his front. This character, we're just shown him as like this cartoonish Gaston level oaf, oaf bully. Like, honestly, that character could have been in Air Bud. Yeah. Like he 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 should have been in Air Bud. Like that is the role he was in. And I just, I listen. Again, I'm not blaming any of these actors. They're all either miscast or poorly written. But Bo Gentry is wildly miscast. This character needs to be an absolute Adonis. Yeah. If you are talking about a five-tool, can't-miss, number one overall pick that everybody is, like, drooling over, it has to be this, like, it has to be, like, Tyler Glass now who can also, like, hit home runs. Like it needs to be like, he has to be or like Bryce a, Harper. A, Bryce a Harper is taller than all of them, and like look like he's about fifteen years older because they're all skinny and he's ripped. Like it, you know, it's 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 so weird that you have this high school player. Like just basically take Bryce Harper and just make that the hair. He has like all this yeah. hair product, and he's got a big beard. Like he's already got a beard. He's seventeen, and he's already <laughs> got a giant beard. Like it's like, oh my god, this guy is a, a man among boys. He is so clearly big and you can do the hair product thing because then you got Gus to like go like, he's a, he's got so much hair product. It smells like whatever fruits or, you know, whatever old thing that spends more time in the bathroom than you do to Mickey. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Something like that. But the fact that this character is a Luke Voigt first base DH type, we don't see him defend. We don't see him run. We, you see him like, run yeah. and it's not very impressive. Like I don't, it just it doesn't make it doesn't it the and this may be more to the baseball side that we'll talk more about, but like it does it, I could not get over, I could not suspend my disbelief to believe that this guy is this number one overall Uber prospect. Yeah. And make his character the reason that Gus doubts his abilities to be a major league baseball player. Gus and Bo do not interact in this movie at all. They have no conversations at all. Gus really has no idea what type of kid this, this that Bo is. Make that because that's a real debate that happens in all sorts of professional sports. Is a player ever good enough to make up for bad character for him being a bad person? That's a real debate that happens in like real life sports. And I, I think it might not have been. It, it would have worked better in this movie than than what they tried to do with Bo. Yeah, and and I think what happens and. I, I'm not a scout. I've never been on the scouting trail. I don't know how realistic it is for a series of scouts to follow the same high school batter to like a week's worth of games, um, you know, just to see them play. When at the beginning of the movie, you see him show up to one game, he stays for half an inning and he's like, I've seen what I need to see and leaves. 
Um, and I also feel like the one weird thing about Bo was like, how frequently do we see your number one draft pick taking hacks at the stadium literally a day after you've been drafted in your own custom jersey? Like that felt weird. And I guess it was probably like a press move. He's the most exciting draft pick. But I don't remember the next the last Albert Pujols. The next Albert Poolhouse. Pool house. Wow. Pool holes. There we go. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I, a lot of it just didn't feel real. Like, I don't know. And, and yeah, I, Bo was kind of just terrible. Everyone was terrible though. Like the notes I made right before Bo and his dad showed up was that like Mickey was in the office of her law firm, making herself a fancy juice and like telling off one of the other would-be partners. And she just walks away and leaves the juice machine filled and the container half empty. And I'm just like, am I supposed to be rooting for her? Because she sucks. Like everybody sucks. And I think I didn't even notice that because I was like, God, Todd sucks. Todd sucks too. I hate, but... I hate Todd. We all hate Todd because he's obviously it no, there is no subtlety in this movie at all. No. If there is a bad character, they're the most mustache twirling, like obviously bad character. And I, I think this is the thing with this film that I found just like egregious in 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 its not subtlety, but in its way, its own way, is that. It is an incredibly sexist film, but it's done so in a way where the writers would be like, I'm not sexist because those people are sexist. When they're like saying, uh, when later on in the movie, near the end of the film, Matthew Lillard's character is like guffawing over the fact that Gus heard a, a tweak with this player and his daughter saw a girl it, and his daughter a girl oh, is a, a real line. He had to clarify. His a, daughter, a girl, a girl, yeah, saw this, and it's like the most like that's the most overt like uh, like sexism, and it's like, well, I'm not sexist because I don't do that, and it's yeah. like, well, no, what you're doing is worse because you created a character that's one dimensional, totally flat, and gave her just busy businesswoman, overly emotional, and now relationship person. Like she, all she needed to do was find the spirit of Christmas and this would have been a Hallmark character. Uh, but with, uh, no. with less depth, with Thank far you. less depth. I was gonna far say, I've seen depth. Hallmark movies with way more depth than any of these characters. I, honestly, it is, it would be, it's a grave insult to Hallmark to compare this writing to any, any of those films. Yeah. Like this is a C-list like lifetime movie that like they would like bury at like 4 a.m. Yeah. Because it's such bad, right? I do not care if whoever this wrote that Randy Brown, right? Come at me, bro. You, no. This is terrible. You know, this was bad. You whipped this out over a weekend with beers and with Clint. I know you did get that I, paycheck. I, I respect like it. This is the reason he doesn't have any other jobs in Hollywood aside from like one Jennifer Garner, like Disney level kind of like miracle movie. Um, I'm going to say one more thing about Bo Gentry and Matthew Lillard's character, and then we can go to a quick break. But um, there's a scene during the draft where they're trying to decide, do we pass? Do we take him? What do we do? And Matthew Lillard, I kid you not, says, you take this guy and we'll be competitive for the next five to 10 years. And I'm like, it's one batter who can barely run. Like, even if it was Albert Pujols, like, I'm sorry, but nobody in the head of an analytics department is going to tell you one player will be the make and break of your team for a decade. It's, it's the most straw man movie 
that you could imagine because like Matthew Lillard's character is is not like a real person. And so it's basically what somebody who hated Moneyball thinks that all those nerds are. And and yes, characters kind of like Matthew Lillard do exist in baseball and eventually get fired. I mean, Matthew Lillard was probably a scene away from shouting, I'm so glad we got Bo Gentry Gentry to a female reporter as she walked out. Um, That was the only thing missing that they could have had in this film. Um, But, but the, that's the thing though, is that the analytics side is so stupid. Like he is so all in for a high school slugging guy. Right. And that he is like, this is this is the make or break all, be all end all even number one overall picks like say it is Bryce Harper and you're like this is our generational talent you're still going to be like there's like a five percent chance he we never see him above double a like you're gonna know that you're like I you know I'm gonna accept that there there's always risk it's just he is the best chance at succeeding that's what you do with the draft is you're take you're you're evaluating risk and so, like, David Price, when the Rays took him number one overall, it's not that he's a guaranteed slam dunk. You know, maybe some scouts might say that, like, this guy, this kid can't miss. He's the next blah, blah, blah. But if you are into analytics, you're going to be like, I think he's great. I think he's got a lot of stuff. Um, the outcomes are all really good. Like, he could be a number one starter, but I think he could also be a solid fifth starter or maybe a reliever. There's a lot of good outcomes. There's a few bad ones but you are not ever going to be like shocked that he never makes it or even was just mediocre. Like you are not going to be shocked that he's not the superstar immediately. Like this is also a pick that's going to pay off. He's a high school bat. It's going to, it's going to take four to five years before you even see a cup of coffee with this kid. That's insane. Everybody in that front office could be gone, long gone. You're, you have the number one. Gus will be dead. Gus will be dead in the ground. (laughs) By the time Bo Gentry hits the majors, Gus won't even be alive anymore. He will be in the ground and Amy Adams will be singing, you are my sunshine at his grave by the time Bo Gentry even gets double, it gets to Gwinnett. That's, that's what's going to happen. That's the story here. No, I think on that note, uh, we're going to take a quick pause for a commercial break. Uh, And when we come back and recapture our uh, giggles, um, (laughs) we will continue this with much more somber topics. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, I think we're going to just quickly, just in case, start this next section off with a tiny bit of a trigger warning. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about childhood abuse, um, and we're going to make a little bit of fun of how it's handled in this movie. So um, just bear that in mind. If it's a sensitive topic, just jump probably, I'd say, about 10 minutes ahead in this, and uh, we'll be done. Um, but uh, so, yeah, <laughs> there is a subplot in this film. It's a pairing of subplots, I think. What They go hand in hand. Um, but there's a scene a little bit into the latter half of the movie where Amy Adams confronts Clint Eastwood seemingly out of nowhere 
to ask him why he abandoned her and like left her with her aunt and uncle um, to continue going on the road when she was six years old. And I think that like it's a topic that could have been broached earlier. Like she could have mentioned it casually when, you know, her and Jimmy were on their date to be like, you know, like I was only on the road with him for a little bit. And then he, you know, left me with my aunt and uncle. And that was really who raised me. And I think there could have been a very easy answer to that question, which would have been like six-year-olds should be in school and not on the road with baseball scouts. And like, I, I did what I thought was right for you. And she could have been like, being with you was all right for me. And then that could have been the end of that subplot. Um, but no, they took a real dark turn with that. And, and, and Brett, I think you said something just before we were on break and I think it kind of cues this up really nicely. And I want you to repeat it because this movie foreshadows this tiny plot twist, which I think we can lovingly call the real trouble with the curve because it's such a curveball out of nowhere that has no like no bearing on the rest of the movie whatsoever and how it plays forward that it could be cut completely and nothing would change but brett what did what was your note about the movie so so when they go through this this flashback it takes place at a stable or place where horses are kept and it's a it's a it's a minor league franchise because one of the things that they do I think either during the seventh inning stretch or is kind of like a a cutesy side deal is that one of the players has to race the horse and that it's mentioned during her chat with Jimmy is that like oh yeah I remember the player beating the horse and and so that's what the horse is that there's like a a horse a horse trainer on site at this minor league stadium where Gus was scouting players And, and so like you Ashley this was my second time watching this start to finish and the opening shot of the movie, before we see any of the characters, is this, it's very dark and we see a horse galloping. And without having any recollection of this subplot, and you talk about how kind of, I won't, I won't say completely irrelevant, but how kind of out, how out of place it is in terms like relative to the rest of the movie. I just wrote on my notepad, because I completely forgot about it. I wrote on my notepad at the start of this movie horse question mark. And other than that other like flashback, like we have no other reference to the horse. And even if you keep, <laughs> which I, I hate this little subplot that they've got going on, but the, the, the first shot of the horse at the beginning of the movie was just so out of play. It, I don't know. It threw me off. Yeah. The, he... the, so they, they, there's, the, there's another point where they do a flashback to this, this moment. And it's after um, Amy Adams is in the bar. She's, Mickey is in the bar. She's playing pool. And this guy gets like really handsy with her. And then Clint Eastwood comes over and nearly kills him. He like grabs a beer, smashes it, and is like, puts it to his neck. And it's very kind of out of left field type of like, like zero to 60 violence. Yeah, You're like, whoa, this is kind of scary. Again, Gus should be in a home. He's, He's clearly not well. And you know, they, they like Justin Timberlake's character tries to cool everything down uh, and, and like they, they, they leave. Right. And then there's this sort of weird flash to the horse and then a young girl and this strange guy. And then it's like that. And so it's really like, what is going on with these totally disparate images that just do not connect or make sense and they do sort of pay off the I guess violent streak of Clint Eastwood when it comes to people doing but it's so unnecessary it's so cheap it's so hackney 
it's so it, like it does nothing to help her character it does nothing to explain his and so what what happened basically in the decision he made to send her away is that the the horse trainer whoever was the, the tack guy for this horse kind of lured her into the trailer and when when Clint Eastwood found them he he had his hand up her shirt and she didn't remember it she was six so it completely escaped her memory but obviously at the time he's like I can't take care of her I have to send her away because I can't protect her and part of it also was that he he beat this guy nearly to death after he saw him so that's where you get that payoff for that violent interaction but the whole thing did not need to be there by any stretch of the imagination. It's a movie that already had enough of its own drama with like this tense relationship and this sense of abandonment that I think could have been handled any other way. Like a guy with a six-year-old daughter that he doesn't know how to raise, there's he could have just sent her off to live with the aunt and uncle because he didn't know how to do it. And that distance created would have been more than enough to have that kind of fractured relationship between them without this being added on top and this is definitely again where where the film just basically has to the film is about this old man who's resistant to change who's stuck in his ways and is very stubborn but the entire time everything in the film is set up to make him right he is right at every turn he is always right everybody that's against him is wrong and they're stupid and there should be feel bad for being wrong. So he sends her away. Is he wrong for sending her away? No, of course not, because she almost got molested and he almost murdered a guy. So he's just doing the noble hero thing by doing that. And it's it sucks. It sucks and I hate it because that's such a, make that a more complicated thing. Yeah. That him sending her away, maybe it's his inert old man, kind of sexism. He doesn't think that he can raise her. He is more dedicated to, to baseball than to his family. He's, I don't know, there's a number of different ways that you can do that. Like you said, that don't involve him having this like Batman hero, like subplot moment. Yeah. But it has to be there because Gus is always right. He's an old man shouting at the clouds and the whole film is like, yeah, those clouds had it coming. Yeah, coming. Those clouds yeah. were saying some, th those clouds should stop talking trash clouds can hit the curve film <laughs> yes two hours of basically the film being like those clouds are real jerks yeah those clouds are are not very nice people like i'm thinking like that and coupled with the idea from earlier but like the idea that like you know the jimmy character could have been like the the surrogate son that got all the attention and i think the more interesting way to handle that with you don't put in you don't put in justin timberlake who to me is eternally 22 you put in like a John Hamm, who's maybe just a little bit too old for an Amy Adams character, except in Hollywood, and is more in line with like, he could have been like a 20 something up and comer when Gus was on the road and he left his daughter with the family. And then that dynamic becomes very interesting because, you know, it, that is sort of how that plays out. And I think that like they, I could come up with a thousand different ways this movie could have been better. And go ahead, Brett. <laughs> Did you guys think it was weird that Amy Adams didn't know who the Just, Justin Timberlake's character I was? I did. Because yes, she's because... got all, all this great baseball knowledge. And we know that there was like a disconnect for a long time with yeah. her, her and Gus. But what Flanagan kind of like the way he talked about his story, he was a top prospect. He got all the way to the big leagues and he flamed out. And for someone who like, she was obviously still up to date with like current baseball. Dude. She knew about, you know, Jire Jurgens. Jire Jurgens. Yeah. Uh, like all his pitch repertoire. Like the fact that she had like 
never heard of this guy. I don't know. That just didn't make sense to me. And I was actually surprised by that too. I did have that in my notes. Cause I'm like, if he'd just been burned out at maybe like high A, I could see it that like, you know, she wouldn't be aware of him the same way Gus was, but for a guy who made it long enough in the majors to go into a long relief role before his arm burnt out, that to me is a season or two. Like that's long enough that you've seen that guy pitch. If you watch any kind of baseball. So I, I don't think it was realistic for her. Especially if she's a Braves him. fan. Like if she is well, a he Braves fan. He, he was in the Red Sox. Or he was you, would have, you would have, yeah, but you would have been like, oh, he came up and he had a great debut start. You know, what was yeah. it? Six in the third innings and, uh, yeah. and, and like six strikeouts. And yeah, so you would be like, oh, my dad, you know, I have my own issues with my dad, but like my dad scouted this guy. I'm a Braves fan. I'm a huge baseball fan. Now he's traded to the Red Sox and like, Oh, he's great. Like, we know how that goes. Everybody's going to be like, ah, we should have kept him. Like, that was what a what a bunch of dummies. Um, it doesn't make any sense, and it's entirely there for convenience. It's entirely there for convenience. Like, everything of Amy Adams' character is there for convenience. Yes. Every step of the way. And that's what makes her character, it, that's how somehow you can take an Oscar-talented actress and just suck the life out of that character is by just constantly being like, whatever we need. She So she's at dinner with her her boyfriend and some busboys are talking about Jair Jurgens throwing a no-hitter. Uh, and and they're like, yeah, he was- He was dealing, like he was throwing he was heat. Dealing, it was basically- Throwing strikeouts. He was striking out everybody. Something that and, indicated he was like throwing fastballs, right? Like, and because we have to be like, she's smart with baseball. She just like very rudely is like, uh you're wrong. He's a sinker baller. He wouldn't be throwing strikeout, yep. which is like, well, first he lives of all, lady, in the corners. Like she scoffs at this poor bus boy. Like, These guys watch the game. Yeah. What are you doing? You, what are you talking about? And I looked it up. So Jair Jurgen's best start um, was not a no hitter. He never threw a no hitter uh, except for in this movie, but Jair <laughs> Jurgen's This must be his favorite movie of all time. He's right? like, I'm just going to watch that scene again. <laughs> his best start ever was a one hitter complete game shutout with eight k's wow that's a lot of k's that's not just like it's only two strikeouts and a bunch of ground like that's i don't know it's like yeah these guys probably aren't like super up to date on everything baseball and they're just watching and they saw maybe a couple k's late and he threw a no like a no hitter in this universe you'd be like yeah he was dealing he was crushing it is 92 fast i don't know i'm just watching this i'm trying to do my shift man i'm a i'm just working here what is wrong with you? I can't yell at you because you're a you're a customer. But man, what a jerk! Why? Why? Why you gotta yeah. do that? Well, because she like snorts at him, and then she's like, "I doubt that." And I'm like, "Whoa, lady! Like, you can have some opinions on a guy's so pitching weird. repertoire." I like... hated that scene. I hated that scene so much. And also, it's... the thing that kills me: she'd been with that guy for a while because it was clear that he was like on the mode of like, "Let's take this to the next step. Let's be serious." Um, and it, it, he just then realized she's interested in baseball. Like just at that moment, this has never come up before. It's like his dirty, her dirty secret shame, like Jimmy Fallon's character in, in Fever Pitch. Like she just never mentions it in the off season. And then like, as we're coming up, she's like, oh dear, you've got to learn something about me. Um, but like, it's never mentioned that her dad's a professional baseball scout and like she was raised like has that conversation never happened between these two people that are apparently on the cusp of like taking things to the next level like that's weird that's weird 
it's it's super weird it's so so like her character the whole film basically culminates with the the big the big scene because now we're kind of crossing into the baseball stuff and this yeah. it all comes back there's a lot of baseball in this movie so there, there is, is there is at least that there's a lot of baseball and it's shot well like the baseball stuff is shot pretty confidently um like Bo Gentry looks like he's a good hitter so that's that's something um so it, it all culminates with um basically Clint Eastwood's character Gus Lobel hearing the special the magic sound this this magic special thing he can't see it but he hits the guy hits a home run on a curveball Bo Gentry hits a home run on a curveball but he hears something something magical in his swing and he tells Mickey to go watch him that he he's got a hitch in his swing and she watches it she sees it too and they talk to to Justin Timberlake after and and are like he has this this hitch and he's like well he hit a home run on a curveball and they're like yeah but he's got a hitch in his swing it's I heard it. It's, it's Matt. It's, it solves it. We're not going to take him. And they convince Justin Timberlake's character, uh, Flanagan to, 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 to basically like, we're not going to take him. The Braves aren't going to take him at number two. You should tell the Red Sox not to take him either. Like wait and until so, later round. See if he's still available. Yeah, yeah. And so with three minutes on the clock, the Boston Red Sox with the number one overall pick are calling a new scout who is really wants to be a broadcaster, his final opinion where he is like Gus Lobel of the Braves is telling me they're going to pass on him and that he heard something in his swing. And with three minutes left, they're just like on the, the deadline and they're like, well, okay, we're going to pass on them because of what a rookie scout said he heard from an older scout and vouched for yep and they do and then the braves do take him because matthew lillard's character basically says like if he's bad fire me or whatever and they decide the braves decide to take him and justin timberlake's like you ruined me i'm gonna get fired and now i'll never be a broadcaster because those <laughs> things are somehow connected and and like that's the like the down point and then after that they have the conversation about like the horse and the horse and it's like that's like what a weird that you're throwing that in there and that's your end of act two thing gus decides to leave on the bus amy adams is stuck at the uh at the motel her her partnership got got uh, derailed because todd swooped in and and her partners all decided to give it to todd and todd. then and then Justin Timberlake peels out and is like, you know, screw you guys, I'm out of here. You ruined my life. Um, and so that's the that's like the low point before we get to what builds for the triumphant act three. Um, all of that is terrible. That's yeah. just the, this such garbage. So let's so let's go into this he here, the magical here. This is what this entire film is about, is that you can't trust computers. You gotta trust the scout. Trust and the gut, trust your magic peer, this magic power that Gus has. So as as Gus was talking and Amy Adams is, is this is when they were kind of scouting Gus, scouting Bo. And she's like, how did you know that? You couldn't see him. And he's like, you gotta have the ear for it. You gotta like hear it. It's the, the sound of the bat swing. It's the sound of the ball hitting the glove. Very specifically mentions the ball hitting the glove. And so Amy Adams is feeling kind of sorry for herself, sitting around this motel, and she hears the sound. She hears that like wonderful sound that we all know and love from like the first days of pitchers and catchers reporting that sound of a ball hitting a catcher's mitt. 
and she follows it outside and it's the two kids of of the motel owner are, are playing and one of them we recognized from earlier because we we had to know that Bo was also kind of racist um because there's a scene where he calls this this big kid uh peanut boy because he's there selling peanuts um there's this lovely Mexican family that owns this this motel where they've been staying and so he like really talks down to him and you know you know they throw the peanuts to him and he's like two dollars please and you're really going to make me pay for those um because Bo sucks um and so it's these two kids playing baseball and it's it's Rigo is the name of the bigger kid um who's obviously out of high school not not in university but you know old enough to be scouted theoretically and Amy Adams watches him throw a couple of times to his like nine-year-old brother and decides that he's got something and so she steps in and takes over and starts like you know getting to see what he's got in terms of pitches and he's good like he's he's got some velo he's he's got good command and I I think it's insane to think that like some random kid working in a motel just outside of a high school team that obviously needed good players that somehow he couldn't he couldn't go on the team because he didn't have the biology that's right that's what it was he could he could get he he only graduated because he got some b's in chemistry but he he didn't have enough good grades to make the team so within five seconds of seeing this guy throw 10 pitches mickey calls up john goodman and says look i want to bring a guy to just to meet the entire upper echelon of the atlanta braves uh and you owe this to me because you made me come on this trip and that works inexplicable. I mean, she, she did lose her partnership thanks yeah. to John Goodman's character. So to, to, because she's there to monitor her dad, who's again, should go to a home because he's, yes. so, um, so yeah, she shows up at, uh, at, I guess it probably wasn't SunTrust. Maybe it was SunTrust by then, uh, shows up at the uh, Atlanta Brave stadium with this. Still Turner. It was actually still, was Turner. it still Turner I noticed, then? Yeah. I missed, um, I missed Turner. So shows up with this whole family and sorry i have to make one more like divergent thought matthew lillard was outraged that clint eastwood organized having the mom and dad of a minor league player sent out to see the games and actually asked well how much did that cost us to a billion dollar organization um i've got a note about that if you want to finish your thought though well yeah we'll get back but i that's something that actually happens in this movie how much did we spend to have two people come out and watch a couple of minor league games and like triple a but anyway so we get our final act which is you know the whole crew is down on the field and they're watching bo gentry in his brand new atlanta braves uniform take some take some hits out of the turtle and of course he's hitting the seats and everything's leaving the park and oh boy isn't he exciting and they they pull the the pitcher who's you know obviously just your your you know batting practice coordinator and throw in Rigo who's this young kid and start getting to throw fastballs and Bo can't hit a one of them and I'm not for one shocked that a high school batter facing off a guy who can actually throw like 95 would have some trouble um and then she's like it's not even his best pitch and gets him to throw the curveball which is like a low movement. It's not like a 12 to six. It's got some light drop on it, but it's a nice looking curve. And of course, Bo can't hit that either. But like nobody comments that he can't hit the fastball, but it's all about the curveball, right? So he can't hit anything, truly. Like he hits- So before that, he talks about how the curveballs he's hitting with his hitch are just lucky. He's yeah. He's a dead red hitter. 
and he's getting lucky because he's facing like high school kids like yeah. uh, like i've just like been a year through puberty and that's basically and he's like smashing on bad competition and his curves that are going out with an aluminum bat are just barely wall scrapers and they're he's actually failing miserably on the curve he's yeah. just getting lucky but he's a dead red hitter so when he's getting fastballs where amy adams says give him the fastball and he knows it's coming he's failing miserably at it which which yeah. robert patrick does say he's like jesus can he, he can he can he even knows it's coming and he can't hit it yeah and and so you know he kind of embarrasses Bo, which is a delightful moment and in turn it also embarrasses matthew lillard's character exceptionally because he literally says i've seen enough before the pitcher has even thrown a single pitch he's like on the mound and he's like i'm done here i'm gonna leave and they're like oh you know give the kid a chance and he's like visibly embarrassed by how good this kid is and, and then of course this turns around to instantly because mickey found a good pitcher they're gonna give gus a contract extension they're going to you know get whatever you want gus i don't care that you're you know falling apart and can't see a darn thing and that your daughter was the one who found this player clearly we need you for years to come uh lillard's character gets fired on the spot and God, there's more. And they obviously sign Rigo's character instantly after this, this short little pitching thing um, to a deal, but that Mickey will be his agent. The, that whole sequence is, the, is like the perfect cherry on top of this, this nightmare. So you're right. It's so true. Gus still hasn't signed anybody. He still hasn't found anybody. He didn't find a soul in this movie. He hasn't found anybody in forever. He still sucks as a scout. He just saw that that Bo wasn't worth the number one overall pick. That's in fair, it. In fairness, he's he's validated because they read that Billy Kid's box score and he's gone like five for five, two nights in a row or something stupid did, like that. Five, he did I believe talk about, yeah. He did five talk five about getting Five for five was actually used, which is insanity. Um, but anyway, it's, so like he- Five for Dolly, five for two all, nights in a row. So that's- All that's, he that's needed was his mom and dad. Um, and- so, so yeah, so Gus didn't find Rigo. Mickey did. Yeah. But they're like, Gus, blank check. You're the greatest scout that's ever lived. It's like, he didn't find this guy. He just said that, that like, Bo can't, okay, he, he said that Bo can't hit the curb because he had a hitch in his swing, right? Which is something the computers can't find. Uh, newsflash, we have biometric cameras now. We can see every, every hitch and everything. Like, the athletes now with, technology with analytics can see how every muscle in their body is is corresponding through every inch of their swing or their pitch to better tune their bodies so sorry gus the computers are still going to come for your job too bad secondly this whole thing suddenly is still gus getting credit for something other people did so so mickey is overlooked for gus and then it's not mickey taking charge there it's Gus saying, Mickey will be, is a lawyer. He'll be Rigo's uh, 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 um, She'll agent. be his agent, yeah. Or she'll be a scout. She can do your job better. Or she could run a team if I had given her the chance. That's the, that's the character arc he finally get, you know, gives her respect. But it's all this scene where Gus is telling her what she is going to do. It's like, what does she want to do? What does she want? She's the one that found this kid. Yeah. What does Rigo want to do? Why why would he take on this lawyer who doesn't who's not a like a an agent? Yeah. 
he just got the GM of the Braves to like absolutely go nuts. Go find Scott Boris. Yeah. We go. D- D- Mickey is not no. Get get rid of her. Go find Scott Boris and bleed him dry. Get him, get him for all you got, Rigo. <laughs> it's so absurd. I hate it. So, I hate this movie so much. Uh, me too. I hate too. it so much. So at the beginning of the movie, one of Gus's requests is we know Billy Clark is struggling, and he asks John Goodman's character, like, can we get his parents to come down from what was it like Indiana or something? Down to Rome, Georgia. And the answer's like, no, like, we can't, like, finance his parents to come down. But then, like, two scenes later, John Goodman's character is, like, begging to send a chaperone with one of their scouts to view a first-round prospect who's already been checked out by other scouts. And so he's immediately willing to finance sending an extra person to scout somebody they're already pretty confident that they want in the first round. Although I think Mickey might have paid her own way there. I mean, she is a pretty high-powered lawyer. So I think Good point. she probably financed a lot of that. I think she could afford her own room in that motel. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> probably. <laughs> pretty, pretty sure she, you know, she'd be okay. We do, find out, we do find out that John Goodman did put up the parents in Rome, Georgia. And that's what makes, that's what makes him start hitting. He went five for five, two nights in a row. It's all those, the parents there. Which then leads to to the see the line that you were talking about how Matthew Lillard smarmily is like yeah but how much did it cost us to put those people up it's like you're it's such a dumb line because why would he care why would he care yeah. at all uh, and two they're in like a Motel Six in Rome Georgia like you're staying it, for like a weekend cost? and nothing how, how much nothing. was how much was that kid's signing bonus. Like truly, I'm sorry, but like the $300 it cost you to get those people down there who probably would have driven on their own. Like they're like, oh, I get to go see Billy play. Awesome. And like puts them up, you're right, in like a Motel 6. Like that's not going to make or break the Braves organization. I'm sorry. Like it's not, it's not. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, it, it ends, the movie ends with Gus vindicated, of course. He's vindicated always. Everything he does, everything he's, he doesn't get to change his ways at all to be right, which is the biggest failing of this movie because the whole film is just setting up again, like I said, an old man yelling at clouds and then saying, yeah, but he's right. And it bothers me so much that the film should have been about multiple characters having an arc like, you know, in a movie and growing at the end. And maybe it could have been Gus learning a little bit of different ways to better improve himself. Like he, yes, maybe he has this special ability, but maybe he can also use a little bit of other stuff and learn from Mickey to better perform his job. What I said would have been interesting is if like she was kind of like analytically minded, like her connection to baseball now that she's kind of away from him is she likes checking the box scores and she likes reading the numbers and maybe she's on fan graphs every other day, kind of looking at stuff and She's getting she, the baseball prospectus yeah, manual every and like, year. Yeah. She teaches him that like sometimes analytics are okay. And like sometimes looking at these numbers works well in conjunction. Like maybe you didn't see this about him. And like they kind of teach each other more. Like he teaches her about the sounds and she's like, Woba's really cool. And it, it you know, it could have been a bonding experience for the two of them. Um, 
so I think I think we talked a bit about the baseball. Like, there's quite a bit of it. It's beautifully shot. It, there's a lot of misunderstandings I think about how baseball works in the writing, um, and certainly in the casting. Um, but let's talk about. I, there's not a lot of options here. Uh, who we would pick for the Rays had we the opportunity, and I'll let uh, Darby go first. Oh, give, give, let's get Rigo into the Rays pitching. Uh, like, let's give him plenty of years of development with the Rays system, fastball, curveball. Yeah. I mean, we don't have any of the numbers, right? We don't have yeah. the spin rate numbers. We don't have the fastball velo, but uh, what I, what I saw was a great body, great, great frame, already a lot of muscles for a kid his age. Uh, good fastball, good, good curve. Uh, yeah. Give him into the development and uh, let him go. But if, if, if it was coming cheap and it was the Braves like cutting them, and you can just pick him up for nothing. Bo Gentry, he has a hitch in his swing, and that's the biggest downside. Guess what? Five years in the minor leagues, we can fix that. You have a very small, noticeable flaw that can be easily fixed. That, that could be fixed. You could have a first baseman of the future. Um, but if it was like he, he's a, a, too much of a signing bonus and, and, and second overall pick, I wouldn't take the value. So I would instead say Rigo, um, because he also seems like a, a, a nice kid. Unlike Bo. Just, yeah, it doesn't seem sucks. like a clubhouse cancer. Uh, Rigo's my go as well. Um, I think that you just don't want a guy like Bo in your org. Um, Rigo does seem like he'd fit in really well with the, the Rays mentality. I think that he'd blossom there under some Kyle Snyder guidance. It could be an opener. It could be, he could be a multi-inning middle guy. He could be a bulk guy. He could be a starter. You know, there's a lot of ways we can sky's the limit get See, him away keep him away from the the trouble with the curve universe's boston red sox because apparently they will promote top pitching prospects who have a great debut then put them into the bullpen and then overuse their arm to the point where they blow out the rotator cuff and cost yeah. their career so keep them away from the trouble with the curve boston red sox no wonder they're picking number one overall <laughs> terrible management over there um but yeah get them into the the rays it's very clearly pre Kaim Bloom uh, before that. Yeah. But yeah, no, I'm going to go with Rigo as well. Brett, what do you got? All right. I'm thinking outside the box in this one. Oh, me... is it specs? <laughs> Give me, as a bit of a rehab project, give me Johnny the Flame Flanagan. Oh, we've seen the Rays give guys like this second chances. Nate Evaldi, Johnny Venters, a number of other guys. Let him rehab in the Rays system. He was a first-round pick, a top pitching prospect at one point. I think early thirties still. Yeah, yeah, he might. Maybe like maybe he has to come up with like a knuckleball or some sort of some sort of. He's got a great understanding of the game. Obviously, he's a scout. He may not be the best scout, but give me give me Johnny Flanagan and add to add, add another uh, very uh, handsome uh, Rays player in our system when Justin Timberlake. So I'll take Flanagan. Okay. Like it. That's a bold move, my like friend. That. That's, I that's, like that. that's some crazy thinking there. I, I'm into <laughs> it. That's good. And worst case scenario, you have a long term replacement for like maybe Dwayne. Like yeah. if, if when Dwayne retires, you can if he if he doesn't work out, you got you got Flanning and ready to go. Oh <laughs> uh, guys, do we want to bash this anymore? Or are we fairly done with the trouble with the curve? <sighs> We, I'm done with this movie forever. This was yeah. this was more this was less enjoyable than Airbud, like yeah. by a by a healthy margin, by yeah. a healthy margin. Yeah, it was uh, not good. <laughs> it was worse than I remembered, um, and somehow, in spite of being a, as bad as it was, still managed to be incredibly boring. 
um which is really a feat like a lot of bad movies are at least entertaining in their badness but this manages to be both boring and terrible um and i do not recommend watching it and uh just for clarity we are not letting you guys pick our next one um we'll we'll do that on our own we may give you guys another opportunity going forward but the punishment has been cruel to two two episodes in a row <laughs> so we'll pick our own for the next one um yeah i hope you enjoyed us not enjoying this and as always it's a lot of fun uh so with thanks from myself darby and brett we look forward to seeing you guys next time and uh look for our other podcasts on the network Thank you.